0: It's the Rush Fancast. It's Steve and Jerry. Jerry, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? Very good. I'm very excited. We have a very cool interview for everyone today. But before we get into that, I have to tell you, you can find us on Twitter at Rush Fancast. Instagram, we are The Rush Cast. You can email Jerry, therushcast at gmail.com. And Lex really outdid himself today. Another great baseline to start out our podcast. And I know what you've got is a great email to start out our podcast. Do you not? I do. It is from Dave in Montreal. Oh, Montreal. I love Montreal. Have you ever been? I've never been to Montreal. No. Oh, you got to go. It's, it's incredible. Great city. We should go. Let's do it. Let's take a trip uh, whenever we can. We're leaving right after the podcast. Oh, wait a minute. The border's <laughs> closed still. The border is closed. When the border opens, the first day it opens, we're going.
1: Right. Like opening day. Yes. So he says, Hello from the great white north. I discovered Rush in the early 80s. Permanent Waves was my stepping stone for this 55-year-old Canadian. I really appreciate your podcast, and I understand how fans need this kind of content. My brother had Permanent Waves, and I started listening to it, and I quickly got it and appreciated their different kind of rock. So my musical mind was being formed at 15 years old. I was fortunate that in Montreal we had a great rock radio station, Chom FM. 97.7, that played Rush. I would look forward to any interview that was played on the radio. This was before the internet.
0: Remember before the internet, Steve? I do. Unfortunately, I do.
1: Right. So he says, he continues, also with Rush recording up at Morin Heights at La Studio, they were always around Montreal with Getty hanging around the Expos and the Habs, which he says is a hockey team.
0: Yes, the Montreal Canadiens.
1: Rush would tour Montreal quite a bit, and Toronto, so I was fortunate enough to see them. Exit Stage Left was recorded from the old Montreal Forum. Growing up from those high school years, I have followed them through to the present. I would look forward to every release and interview. The hard part was that not everyone was into Rush. When I started working, I found a lot of negativity when discussions arose regarding rock bands and Rush. I just couldn't understand why people didn't get Rush. I quickly found myself kind of alone musically, I mean, most people have made up their minds about Rush. So when they came into town for a show, my Rush batteries got charged. And then he wants to know, Steve, we've read Neil's books. And if we're planning to do a podcast on any of them or maybe all of them.
0: That'd be great. We should definitely do that. We could do like a book club. There you go. Tell people beforehand. Absolutely. Yeah. We could give everyone an assignment, read the book, and then we'll talk about it. Right. That's what people want in their podcasts. Homework. (laughs) Dave, thanks so much for that email. We're coming to Montreal. You're buying us lunch.
1: Oh, wow. That's great. <laughs> we're making people do homework, and now we're forcing them to buy us lunch. This is going great.
0: So I've got more homework for our listeners. If they haven't listened to the band, why, why not? They have to go out and buy the album and listen to it. These guys are fantastic, and we've got them here on the Rush Fancast today, Jar, Two members of the band, Billy Alexander, the guitarist, Tim Storraci, the bassist, and hopefully in a few minutes, Rocky Cooner will be dialing in as well. Billy and Tim, welcome to the Rush Fancast.
2: Hey guys, thanks for having us.
3: Yeah,
0: Jerry, Steve, thank you so much. What an honor. We really appreciate it. Why don't we start yeah. by you guys telling us your Rush origin stories? Why don't we start with you, Billy? When did you first hear about Rush and how did you become a fan?
2: Well, I'll try to make it quick because stories can be long, right? So I no, when I was about ten years old, I suppose, I was I was into Kiss and Elton John, just whatever you know. It was on the radio, or whatever friends had. And uh, somebody mentioned a band called Rush, and I, I thought, you know, that sounds like a cool name. Who's that? And one day um, I was in the back of my sister's boyfriend's car. They were giving me a ride home from school or something like that. And, and I asked him, and he goes, Oh yeah, I got some Rush. And he pops a cassette in, and I'm in the back seat, and he's got the Jensen coaxles and he cranks up 2112. And I'm just sitting back there just freaking out. And then when the vocals start, I'm like, is that a, is it a girl? Like, what am I hearing? Is it an alien? Like, you know, so it, that just changed everything, you know, and then I was just hooked. And then I just went to the record stores and anything that had something with the. It sounded like he said priests or temples or something. So I'm looking at any album from Rush that has that on it. And I wasn't sure at that point, because I think all the world's stage was there too. And I was like, well, I don't think it was this one because this says live, but I'm going to get them both. <laughs> you know." So, wow. And, and then that was it, man. It was just pretty much like game over. And and uh, I was already thinking about playing guitar and being a musician, but, but that just sealed it. So that was uh, pretty much my origins.
0: Great, great. And
3: Tim, how about you? Well, I was a nine-year-old little tadpole in Long Island who wanted to be Gene Simmons, and uh, cut two strings off my brother's guitar and started to play bass. Mm-hmm. Wow. And uh, I guess I stuck with the beating from my brother. And my mom felt bad and got me like this cheesy little bass from the mall. And I stuck with it. So I was taking lessons for with, with the local, you know, rock band bass player guy. And uh, after like three months of teaching me Kiss songs and, you know, how to play,
4: mm-hmm.
3: he goes, check this out. So we, we'd always have a cassette deck. You know, he'd show me songs. And uh, he popped the cassette in. And it was "What You're Doing" by Rush, and I was like, "I want to do that. To do. Yeah. Teach me that. Can I learn how to do that? Is that possible?" And uh, that was the road. That's where it started. And then uh, I was like a freaking sponge, man. I had a so that was like 1976, 77. So you know, immediately I had to go out and buy the the three Rush albums that were out around mm-hmm. before, and uh, it was incredible. It was just incredible. You know, I'd sit and read the lyrics and I'd go to bed with it playing on my headphones and stuff. And, you know, it was just really cool. It hooked me. I loved it. I, I loved it.
1: <laughs> That's pretty much it. I mean, it was just really good stuff. And it was different. Uh, yeah, I think we can all relate to that. Just, just liking it off the bat. Like Billy said, it was just like this curiosity of this is just so different. Yeah. Like what's going on over
3: here? Than Strutter. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Cold gin. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, not that Strutter and Cold Gin aren't awesome. Right. You know, it was just, it was a different awesome. Now, I know you, uh, the band members are in different parts of the country. So why don't you tell us how you all got together and when you got together?
2: Well, I had uh, uh, seen Rush on R40. In fact, uh, let's see, the other day, Thursday would have been five years and while I was watching them go back in time, you know, in reverse order, I was just getting really nostalgic and, and uh, just started thinking that I hadn't really recorded anything of real high quality with that kind of influence, because I'm also a producer and songwriter and by profession. So I just thought, well, what if I just for a kick, just almost as sort of a thank you, just for myself to have fun, uh, write this thing, almost like they were just these offshoots of the albums that meant the most to me as a kid. Um, those early few records and then um, I did that and had a, a drummer buddy of mine a session drummer play the drums and he, he smashed it and through that um, people were encouraging me to share it online with some Rush groups and people were responding to it and while I was on there I saw Tim playing a Rickenbacker uh, actually it was 4003 I guess Tim yes and, it, and he was just just killing the the hemispheres rush. And, and I just thought, well, wow, I, I think I know how to play some of that stuff. And he was uh, working with a drummer and they were looking for somebody to put some guitar down. And I, I volunteered myself. And that was basically the start of it. Um, and then Tim ended up replacing my bass stuff on the, on the song that I wrote for fun um, as a tribute to, to the rush early years. And I called the song, why, why not? As just sort of a goof, you know, it's sort of a an asked and answered question in in one, and obviously a play on the Y Y Z thing too. You know, and uh, when we decided um, after uh, after a while, uh, we thought, well, let's this feels like more than a project thing. Let's call, give it a name. So we agreed to call the band YY Why, Why Not from the sort of namesake of that piece of music.
3: After we exhausted every ridiculously yeah.
0: cheesy other name. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what are some of the other
0: options? We need to hear some of the other options. Oh, Tim My remembers. favorite was cask of 43. Oh, wow. That would have been cool. I like that. That would have been great. Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> the big yeah.
0: fans would have got that for sure.
1: Right. But you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we almost called our podcast, um, the podcast of I'm So that would have been funny. That's
2: pretty good
0: too. Mm-hmm. So how did you guys find your vocalist, Rocky Cooner? She's uh, quite a bit younger than you guys. And w- oh, yeah. where, where'd you find her? That, too, is Billy's fault. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, well, well, when, um, when we were going to be doing this, uh, you know, this was just really a fun side project. And, and I actually had to go back and listen to some of this early rush myself. I hadn't played any of these songs since I was probably a teenager, really. So um, in the process, I was like, well, this is cool, and I'll sing a few, but... You know, I'm not really a lead singer, and you know, and uh, some of that early stuff is screaming high and needs to have that edge. So I started looking around for a singer that we could bring on board to do these videos, and I was asking around, and a um, buddy of mine suggested, he goes, "You should check out this girl, Rocky Cooner. She's she's finishing high school um, at a music uh, music high school around where I live," and I searched her name on YouTube, and first thing I saw was her uh, for her senior year thing, doing highway star by deep purple. Wow. And as soon as she started hitting those screaming high notes and holding I just stopped and immediately called her. <laughs> and, um, so we met here at my studio, put her on the microphone and her first assignment was hemispheres all of side one from beginning to end. Wow. That's quite the test. She learned it in a few days. She hadn't even heard it before, but she learned it in a few days and she came in and I, I just put a, a webcam on her and the microphone and recorded her voice. And, and that was, that was the beginning of all of it. Um, and then I also started thinking about writing more rush esque material with vocals, not just instrumentals and wanted to have a singer that I felt like we could move forward with in that department too. And she clearly was great for that as well. And then the uniqueness of just, you know, she's, she's a unique artist and person. And so it's really just been a cool thing finding her and, and doing this. And when did you start to
1: get together as a band, playing original songs and covers outside of your rooms, so to speak?
2: What uh, year it, was that? That was our <laughs> well, first. Our first. Our first show was 2017. So it was pretty soon. Uh, yeah. Once once we had a, a a drummer on board that we could really feel like was like, and he was also out here in this area. Um, so our first show was out in uh, Long Beach, California. The Gaslamp. Uh, at the Gaslamp, uh, 2017. No rehearsal. Tim flew in from Florida, and we just hit the stage. Just everybody rehearsed on their own, and we played a two and a half hour show of Russian originals straight through. It was a packed and, uh, house. Yeah, it was, it was uh, really really great. I mean, it, and it it was a lot of fun, and it felt it felt like wow, we we can do this. I mean, it's it was a crazy thought in our heads, but we just thought, what's the worst that's going to happen? We'll make some mistakes, you know, big deal. But let's we can't pass up the opportunity to at least try it. And, and, um, that's been the way it's been ever, ever since. Yeah,
3: much. <laughs> the coolest thing about that first show for me was all the people. Yeah. You know, <laughs> all these people who just, No, who, who just showed up and they didn't know us from Adam. And, you know, they saw a couple videos on, on the internet, mm-hmm. you know, but they drove and flew uh-huh. and, you know, all these planes, trains and automobiles to come to the show. You know why? Because that's what Rush fans do, (laughs) you know, they're, they're they're super. And we made right, Billy. We made so many good friends that night
5: Yeah, that that we still
3: have and awesome relationships that were formed, you know, before the show, during and after. It was just,
0: it was unbelievable. And what was the reaction, Tim, to the original music? Then the Rush fans came obviously to see the Rush songs. And when you guys went into the originals, what was the reaction there?
3: They loved it. They knew what we were doing. We were already plastering the internet with the original stuff, you know, so they knew what we were. We were like this hybrid quasi thing, you know, and the same rush fans really latched on to
0: the original material that Billy was writing. Cause it's so good. So let's talk about these YouTube videos, guys. Where'd you get the idea to do these YouTube videos? And were you as surprised as I was to see just how many views these videos get? I mean, it's incredible. The amount of views you guys get on these videos. Yeah, it's pretty neat. You know,
3: I I didn't play bass for like 16 years, you know. Really? And I was only playing like for two years when, you know, me and Billy met again. And I was, you know, going up and doing like these Rush covers, you know, bass covers and stuff like that. When we hooked up and did Hemispheres, we were trying to figure out how are we going to do this? Four people, four locations. So we did the four block thing. Mm -hmm. And and all our first videos, you know, like you would just see my beard. You know what I mean? Like my really <laughs> early ones and stuff. And we really had no idea what we were doing. We had no clue, but we were just having fun and doing it. And the people loved us, you know, the rush fans dug it. They liked our original stuff as well. So we just, you know, like Billy said, it kind of just happened on its own. It wasn't like a plan. It started as, yeah, I'll do this, you know, and then, Hey, let's do another one and another one. And then this, and then shit, we better name this. You know? <laughs> and then, hey, Hey, I'll never forget. I'll never forget this one, this phone call. So what do you think if you come out here and we try to play this live?
5: <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> I think before he finished saying live, I was
0: like, yeah, I'm in. And then the fans just poured in.
2: Yeah. 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 And uh, it's real they've been amazing too. I mean, the support we've gotten. And as you say, for the original music, buying the records and, and spreading the word and, and getting behind that stuff. And, requesting those songs live. I mean, specifically coming, knowing the songs, knowing the words to the songs, and all that kind of stuff is, is really rewarding as well. You know, it's really been a trip.
1: Yeah, so when you perform live, are you doing, what's the ratio, Rush and Originals?
2: It's about 50-50.
1: Yeah. Oh, nice.
2: Yeah, it's about 50-50. And, and then we'll, lately we've been hearing some people kind of <laughs> be like, well, why didn't you play such and such off of, because, you know, we have, we have two full albums out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you know, there's only so much time and we can't. And then we also want to get some of our Rush favorites in mm-hmm. there, too. You know, so there's been a couple shows in L.A. We did where it was purely original, more sort of showcase type shows. And, and that's great, too. But yeah, but when we're doing like a full show and somebody's paying to see like a kind of a concert experience of two and a half hours, they want to hear YYZ and they want to hear all these great. Rush songs from the early days and Rocky singing them full voice to, you know, and just delivering those early vocals with that edge and everything. And, and that's what, that's the stuff that we prefer too, because it makes us feel like kids again when we're at playing Bastille day or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know, just real raw mm-hmm. early rush. It's just really a lot of fun.
0: Now, do you guys incorporate new Rush songs that you guys have never played before into your shows sometimes, or do you stick to the same standard songs that you Normally play. I think we strayed past signals twice. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. stick to the older stuff.
3: Well, that, that's that's the stuff that we, we cut our teeth on, mm-hmm. and that's the stuff that you know is right in our wheelhouse. You know that high energy, aggressive, you know, young rush. You mm-hmm. know the incredible screeching vocals. The you know the, the the killer syncopation. You know all
0: that stuff. You know. Well, there's mm-hmm.
2: also there's also the, the issue swagger. Of- There's the issue of if if there's songs where whole sections are keyboards and no bass guitar, right? uh, We're just not going to have Tim not. Do what he does so amazingly well. So we want to we 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 pick the material also that features everyone in the best possible light.
3: In, in lieu of what I don't do so amazingly.
2: We well. play <laughs> 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 keyboards too, but but you know it's one of those things. It's just one of those things that we make all these decisions based off of things that seem to make the most sense. You know, for the set.
1: You know, yeah. what we do. Do you remember what those two songs were? Past signals,
3: mm-hmm. animate. And body electric, oh, okay. There you go, but body electric stays in the set. That's a fun song to play.
2: Yeah.
0: Can you talk a little bit about the writing process, Billy? How how does a, a original why why not song get formed?
2: Well, they're all different, and um, uh, sometimes it's even just like other songs that I write, um, where I have an idea, something I w- want to write about, or an important theme that I that I'm curious about, or I'm curious about exploring lyrically and then sometimes i'll have stockpiled riffs or pieces of music that i'll go through and i'll feel like that seems to fit the vibe that i'm looking for for this and then once you get going you know it just starts happening and then before you know it the songs written and and arranged um, that part takes a lot of work because unfortunately we're not able to get into a room and hammer out the arrangements so I kind of have to do that um, sort of in my head and then demo the stuff to see how it's going to be laid out before offering it up to the drummer so that the drummer can just play right to the demo that I've created with the click and the MIDI tempo maps and stuff. Once I get the drums back, I redo all of my stuff. Tim redoes the bass parts. Rocky, of course, redoes my Scratch vocal parts, and then and then I go from there into mixing until it's finally done and ready to be mastered and and let, let people hear it.
1: Before we go on, Rocky just popped up. Oh, cool! Well, let's do hey. it. Though. I'm going to admit her.
0: <laughs> i I love before. this power. I love this power to. Mid- this is great. Hey, Rocky. Yes,
6: Hi.
0: Hi, Rocky. We'd like to welcome oh, Rocky Cooner to the Rush Fancast. Hey, Rocky. We're right <laughs> in the middle of it.
6: Hello, everyone. <laughs>
0: So, Rocky, we have a question for you. Okay.
6: Tell us your
0: Rush (laughs) origin story. When did you first hear Rush? How did you become a fan?
6: Okay. So, I can't quite pinpoint a specific day and time, but I do know that when I was growing up, my family, like my mom and my dad, always made, like, mixtapes for me in the car. So I know that Time Stand Still was definitely one of those songs on the mixtape. And I always just knew the song, but I never knew the band until I was a little bit older. And then once I realized it was Rush, my uncles are really into Rush. Um, my uncle used to play drums and stuff, so he always loved no up And uh, my dad used to take me to a bunch of Rush concerts when I was growing up. So I've been to at least like three in my life, I think. And, uh, they've always been incredible performers, the most, like one of the best shows I've ever seen. So I always loved them. And then in high school, my friends liked Rush too. So I was like, okay, cool. Like I'm like,
1: (laughs) now Billy told us a little bit about your musical background, but could you, uh, fill us in on that?
6: I've been singing since I was little, like really, really little. Um, I've always been exposed to a lot of different music just because my parents are in their 60s. So I've been exposed to so much music that I never knew what anything was from, really. like I didn't know that everything was from a different decade or a different time. I always listened to music as if it was all at the same time. Um, And I've played... I've played the guitar for about, ah, since I was like, I'd say 12. And then I started playing, well, I played piano first when I was little. And then I played dulcimer when I was nine. I started writing music when I was nine and singing professionally when I was nine. So I've been, I've been doing music like all my life basically. So, and I play drums. I play like a little bit of everything.
0: (laughs) So what about when Billy sent you the audition? He wanted you to sing hemispheres in its entirety. What was that yeah. like learning that?
6: That was a really funny thing. Singing <laughs> <laughs> to it before I knew what I was getting into. <laughs> and then I realized what I had to do. And I was like, oh my God, but I did it because I was like, I already said yes. I'm not going to just back out of it because it seems hard. It'll be fine. Um, so I learned the whole thing and like, I don't know, like three days or something, and then I went and recorded it with Billy. Um, but it was it was a fun song to learn. I do admit it's it's a great song and I, I love it, so um, it wasn't too hard to learn it just because I liked it. But um, it was definitely difficult since it was eighteen minutes and there were a lot of different parts. But luckily, because I have been doing music for a long time, I like used my tools to uh, memorize and, and, like, figure it out. But, yeah, it was was a doozy (laughs) recording.
0: You passed that (laughs) test. You can do anything, right?
6: Yeah, I figured if I can do this, anything else is easy. (laughs) (laughs) And you nailed it. Thank you. So
0: so let's (laughs) talk a little bit about influences. Uh, Tim, talk about Getty Lee and how he's influenced your bass playing.
3: Uh, I never heard a bass player play like that. Now, mind you, I was very young, but, you know, I was already playing bass for a little while, you know, so like, you know, there was Gene Simmons and Gene Simmons and you know Gene Simmons, you know, that was kind of what I was in. So when I heard Getty playing, it was like a total different thing, you know, in every possible way. And then that opened doors to like, you know, Chris Squire, you know, and then, you know, I started taking notice of Geezer Butler and Steve Harris and, you know, it just goes from there, you know, Jocko, of course, I, I got into Jocko for like five seconds, you know, and said, nah, can't do this.
1: <laughs> Steve, you're, this, Steve, this you're is, a Jocko fan. Oh, is is love, I love stuff. Jocko.
3: I couldn't do it, but I love right, it. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It was like, I, I, I tried it like for like five seconds, said, nah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I go back to rush. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. When someone like Getty's like, Jocko's the best, you're like, oh, okay, sure, Getty. And then
3: a huge influence on me musically was Ronnie James Dio. Oh, wow. Yes. Love Dio. Huge, 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 huge. His voice and the way he sings and, and everything about him is it, just so musical to me, you know. So,
0: What's your favorite Dio album, either with Black Sabbath, Rainbow, or Solo? All of them.
3: <laughs> Honestly, I, you know, there's not a, there's not a stinker.
0: You know? I'm a heaven and hell guy myself.
3: Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, yeah, that's incredible. You know, but I mean, like Long Live Rock and Roll is a great album. You know, I really liked the the early Rainbow stuff and all of it. I mean, even that cartoon album he did, Butterfly Ball and Grasshopper Feast, was mm-hmm. fantastic.
0: So what about you, Billy, Alex Lifeson, his influence on you?
2: With, when it comes to Rush, I'd say the whole band. I mean, at the, the guitar was, you know, my instrument that I had the most facility for expressing, and it is to this day, obviously. But I, I was into um, a lot of the bass stuff with Rush and, and the Neil Peart lyrics and drumming, just the whole band. So uh, I actually, ironically, I never really sort of singled him out as like my go-to. They're just all three They just, but when I started getting more into studying my instrument guitar and wanting to progress at it, then I started isolating specific guitar players and going through that phase. But obviously uh, his playing just seeped into my DNA uh, from day one. Anyway, I mean, it's how could it not? And then, um, Actually, in re- sort of sort of, uh, almost reverse engineering, I started discovering more of Jimmy Page through him and Pete Townsend. And so, like, even now, I probably listen more to, you know, guys like Jimmy Page and Townsend and, and uh, Jeff Beck and those kind of guys than I did when I was a kid because I wasn't really as aware of them then. So that I'm sort of, you know, I've gathered them up to be more influenced and inspired, probably more inspired than influenced. But, yeah, I have so many guitar players. I mean, you know, we'd be here all day listing all the great ones that um, had an effect on me, positive effect.
0: And what about you, Rocky, your influences?
6: To Getty? Sure. Um, he definitely has an incredible voice. Because, like, coming from me, like, as a vocal teacher and, and just, like, being a vocalist for a long time, like, I, like, aspire when I do covers of other people's music to get as close to their voice as possible Um, because you know I want to pay homage like I want to make sure that I'm doing them a justice when I'm singing their songs Um, and Getty is one of those people that you know he has such a specific sounding voice and like a specific tone and like everything he does is like you can pinpoint his voice exactly like oh that's Getty Lee you know and I don't think there's anyone else that really sounds like him And, um, when it comes to my music, he definitely inspires, um, the rock side of me for sure, because I know like, uh, naturally I don't like write that kind of music, but I'm also like, I'm very appreciative of it. And like, I really try to do it a justice. So singing like him has been really fun and it's been a very, uh, It's been a good exercise for me, I guess, like, um, singing like him, but he's definitely inspired me, like, I'd say more, um, Neil, Neil's lyrics are really inspiring, uh, when it comes to songwriting for me, like, everything that the music's about, like, all of the stories that I sing about, basically, like, all of the songs that we cover, they all resonate with me very, like, very much, so... I really love, um, his lyrics the most. So I'd say the most influence on me is probably the, the lyrics of the song for sure.
1: When you're approaching a, a rush song to, you know, a new rush song, maybe when you were learning them, how do you approach a, a rush lyric? Cause Getty has his own interpretation of what Neil means and they go back and forth. So how do you interpret that?
6: I guess depending on the song, like what it's about and everything. Um, it just depends on how it makes me feel. You know, like, I, I'll i learn a song and, you know, I'll figure it out, what, what the lyrics are, learn it, memorize it. But until I really, like, see the lyrics and, and really understand, like, okay, the way he's singing it also makes me feel a certain way. The way he accents certain lyrics is, like, for a specific reason, too. I feel like all of their music is very... Um, it's very planned out and, and like thought through, you know, and, um, a lot of, like a lot of the lyrics, I feel like go over people's heads a lot, you know, but what they're about and, and how they make me feel personally are like, they very much speak up and they speak their minds a lot. And, and they're very intelligent. Um, I know that Neil Peart was very, very intelligent and read a lot and you can tell his lyrics. Mm -hmm. Um, but also Getty, um, just has that like human understanding and is very like, I wouldn't say like more of a an extrovert. So I feel like he has more of a like a human and like personal understanding of people while Neil has more of an observant thoughts, you know? So I feel like both of them together really tie in really well and it just depends on the song but the way it makes me feel is how I interpret it and I think just doing the research behind the lyrics or you know, looking up what the things mean, like Bastille Day, you know, like if you didn't know what Bastille Day meant, you would just go Google it and be like, oh, okay, I know what Bastille Day is, but it's also like the way it makes you feel like it can be applied to right now, you know what I mean? Like the way he sings it is like, this is still alive, you know, like this feeling is still here and we can like still kind of bring awareness to these, these songs and these ideas, you know, I guess that's how they make me feel. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Who writes the lyrics for why, why not? Billy, is that you? Yes. How does that work with you, Rocky? Do you feel like you have to relate to Billy's lyrics in order to sing them well?
6: I definitely relate to them in general just because, you know, I feel like he's very considerate of all of us in the band. And um, I feel like all of his songs are, are really like aimed at all three of us relating to them and, and for everyone to relate to them too. So I think he keeps in mind um, his audience and the band. So people like me, you know, I definitely relate to them regardless just because I feel like I have enough life experience to. but also because, you know, I have older parents as well. And so I, I relate to the maturity level of what they're about. And like, I think they're really clever. And I think most people relate to them just because they're, they're very much about topics that are pretty universal for us, you know? um and we're all kind of collectively going through those things so
1: and i suppose you have the same type of relationship as neil had with getty how do you work that out
6: well we just do <laughs> i don't know <laughs> I, I, I this and he writes the songs and i record them and and it's i'm not really super duper picky about what i'm given to do like i i just do it you know cuz i i love doing it
0: And I guess, Billy, you, you write the lyrics with Rocky in mind, right?
2: It depends on what you mean by that too. But I mean, you know, it's probably similar to to what Rocky's able to do so well with covering the rush as everything she just explained that um, me knowing how good she is at doing all that gives me sort of the confidence and just sort of like, well, if she does that so well with that, then this should work. And then of course the second she comes in and sings any of these songs, and takes them to another level, the way she sings them. You know, the very first one that we ever tried was successful in that regard, so it was just more of the same. But um, but as going forward, when we're trying to get a little bit more of our own style, and as Rocky said, try to sort of highlight everybody's abilities. Like sometimes the, I'll put things in there like a melody where I'm hearing her already in my head singing it because I know her style and things like that. And then, um, so yeah, I think it's just when we start recording the songs, she learns them. But then when we get in, I I'm sort of producing her and we're kind of collaborating as it's going down. And so, um, but she comes so prepared anyway that it's just really uh, the only thing left is just great vibes you know, and then that's what you hear. I mean, when it's all done and the vocals are put together on the original songs. Um, I mean, I'm just I'm the first one that gets to hear them. So I'm like smiling ear to ear when I'm listening to her vocal tracks. Actually, right in front of her when we're doing them, sometimes she'll sing a line. and I'll just look back at her just like. Yes. <laughs> the Billy Gale. Yes. yes. Yeah, it's really, that's really a lot of fun, uh, especially when you're, when you do get to produce a, a vocalist that has an artistic, they're not just a singer that's doing a job like a demo singer, and no offense to demo singers, but somebody that really brings their heart into the material. And we're really blessed that we sort of have this chemistry going back and forth uh, with not only the covers, but the original stuff. I feel like, and I feel like people pick up on it. They hear it, they see it.
0: So guys, your, your latest album is called Resonance. And what I thought we'd do next is play a couple of tracks from the album and then have you guys talk about those specific tracks. Sound good? Cool. Why don't we start with an instrumental track called Synergios. On this track, I wanted to ask Tim a question. The thing that jumped out at me is the bass tone. How do you get that bass tone? I mean, it sounds almost exactly like Getty's amazing bass tone. Where does that come from? What, what bass are you using on this?
3: On that one, I used a uh, jazz bass. Fender Jazz. Yep. And as always, you know, I, I run it through a Tech 21 preamp. I think we used the RPM on that one, if I'm not wrong. I hit it really hard. And and actually, you know, my tone is, you know, a little bit more aggressive than Getty's. It's more out there than his, but it it fits well with what we do. And then, of course, you know, once I send the track to Billy, Billy massages it a little bit more to, (laughs) to make it fit, you know, whatever song it is. I mean, me and Billy go through like a whole Saturday morning of me just sending him 15 second clips of how does this sound? What do you think of this one? What is this preamp? Here's this bass with that preamp. So we really spend a lot of time picking the bass sound uh, for each individual song, actually, you know, but uh, in my signal chain is always either a jazz bass or a Rick with whatever sans amp, you know, preamp. I'm using that day or for that particular song. I did use a music man on one song on this album. though.
2: And and Billy, how did this song come about? Well, you know, I had been listening to a lot of Quadrophenia, and I think that uh, just I started getting this sort of um, almost picturesque idea of something that just gave hints of what the listener was about to hear on the rest of the album. Um, so I thought of it as sort of almost like a prelude type of thing. That And then the title of the song basically meaning, um, uh, you know, synergy, the sum of the parts and You know, so I wanted it to be sort of a representation of each band member musically and their personality coming through this instrumental piece that's short as a sort of like, you know, opening of the curtain to the rest of the record that you're about to hear. So that was that was the idea of it. So to have it have these moods and flavors of aggressiveness, softness, a little bit of, you know, different dynamics in in one short instrumental piece.
0: Let's listen to another one. This one has Rocky's vocals on it. It's called open book. This song jumped out at me just because it it doesn't sound like a Rush song to me. This sounds like a, a Why Why Not song. Rocky, can you talk a little bit about your vocals on this, which are just fantastic?
6: Thank you so much. Uh, I guess recording this one was really fun when Billy uh, wrote it and showed it to us. Um, I really loved this one. I love performing this one live too. This one's a really fun one, and I think it's the first one we ever performed live off of the new album when when it came out. So, because I remember, I think we're in Cleveland or something, and we just Detroit tried it in Cleveland. Yeah, so. it well, and everyone liked it, and I loved singing. It was really fun. I still do. But yeah, I guess uh, recording this one, it felt a little more my style, too, um, which Billy mentioned, um, He with this new album, he was kind of um, considering all of us in our different styles and kind of reaching outside the box and, and kind of, you know, writing a little more uniquely with, with us, you know, like more, uh, I guess all I can say is just considering all of our styles, you know? And I really like this one. This one felt really easy to relate to because I feel like I'm an open book at some, sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, I mean, it it really like, I feel like it captures kind of all of our personalities a little bit, like aspects of it. You know, I know that Tim is probably the most open book there is in the band, Um, (laughs) but we're all pretty open in Uh our ways. (laughs) And I think, um, I don't know. I just, I really liked recording this one. It felt really, uh, really a lot more my style. And, um, even if it wasn't, I'd still love recording it anyway. Like, again, I'm not very picky about any of this. Like I'm, I'm super, I guess I'm an open book to everything. (laughs) (laughs) Can I Um,
3: interject a little bit on, on open book? Sure. Yeah. The first time we played it was Detroit. The second time was Cleveland and I'll never forget how everything just gelled in Cleveland. It yeah. was still, it was mm-hmm. like so awesome.
1: You guys, it was just great.
6: Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> all this is a good moment.
1: Little yeah. moment. <laughs> uh, well, Billy, I wanted to see how this song also came around.
2: Well, open book was, uh, I was actually a little nervous about uh, releasing it as a why, why not song for a minute there, because I was worried that it was maybe a little too funky. And wow. some of the, f- sort of fans that like more of the proggy kind of thing. But I really wanted to risk it anyway, because I just really, as Rocky said, I wanted to explore that side of her style. I mean, she, she's she got other influences like Stevie Wonder and Joni Mitchell and all this cool stuff that I wanted to bring to the table and sort of rep, still represent it with the sound of what we do. And uh, lyrically also, I put in sort of my... There's a little bit of me in there. There's a little bit of how I see Rocky in there. There's some Tim in there. So there'll be a line where it's sort of like I'm talking about myself right here, and then there'll be a line where it's like I'm talking about Rocky right here. And so that's just that's probably the only time I've done that in the band so far where I'm I'm actually literally thinking. And I I thought of the title. Of the I, title idea came from one day Tim and uh, Tim and I were talking. And I think he just blurted that out. I said, hey, man, are you cool with whatever I was asking him? And he goes, yeah, man, go ahead. I'm an open book. And it just, I went ding, 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 ding. So I was like, cool title. And then, uh, so yeah, I, I think it was not long after that, I just started writing the song based off of that concept of being that way, being honest and true to yourself and being unapologetic about being that way. And, you know, there's a there's a line in there about, like, not sleeping on a bed of lies, meaning clear conscience. I can look myself in the mirror. Not everybody wants to hear the truth or hear somebody who's very open and honest like that because it can sometimes ruffle feathers. But guess what? You know, sometimes you just have to be who you are and be, be true. So so that's where the song kind of came from and, and all those little facets of it. And it's, uh, you know, it's also... A, a, Catchy little number. <laughs> <laughs> it is funky.
0: So, Tim, when are you writing this book? I can't wait to read it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> You'll have to wait till the next yeah. quarter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: We're in negotiations.
0: Let's check out one more from Resonance Chemical Burn. jumped out at me on this one is just how much heavier this is than, than a rush song, let's say. And the bass chords, Tim, at the beginning, very rush like talk about those, those chords at the beginning. I did them just like Billy told
2: me to. (laughs) That's pretty much it. (laughs) Uh, Well, (laughs) that was a part. um, Well, sometimes, sometimes if I'm working on a piece, Again, I'm hearing Tim's bass, and I actually have one of Tim's basses here at my studio, and I have the Tech 21, so I can mock up a lot of uh, that kind of sound. So when I'm coming up with ideas for, for parts, knowing that he's going to take them way further and you know blast them out of the park and all that, but there was a section there where I knew it needed a counter chord and a counter rhythm, and um, I just picked up the bass and started doing those chords and felt like he'd approve and he did, he liked it. And same thing with the rest of the piece where it's just basically like, you know, does this work here? Does this work here? Is this, and but also being unfettered in terms of like not having to worry about people feeling like it's overly pretentious or too busy or too much, too many notes or something like that. Just felt like, you know what, I'm going all the way with this one and I have a feeling that I know the musicians in this band aren't going to fight me on that. It had just <laughs> the
1: right amount of notes.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: one more note and it would have been over the top but- exactly
2: right. yeah. totally and, and that was by the way the title also came from Tim yeah uh he 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 showed me a picture he was work, at work one day and he shows me this picture of his eye oh all, geez all burnt and I go dude what happened and he goes chemical burn and again I went <laughs> Instead of being like, "Man, are you okay?" I'm like, "Let me write that down." <laughs> Pretty much, it's how it went. And then, and then, and then after after I wrote down the song title idea, then I went back to asking him if he was okay. <laughs> yeah, he did.
1: right. Hold on uh, a second. So, <laughs> Tim, Tim, you're like the the Ringo over here, coming up with <laughs> great right. song he, titles, kinda.
2: Big, yeah, Ringoisms. You're right.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why don't we check out one more from Resonance? Yes. This track is called Blind Luck. I want to turn to you on this one. When you sing Rush songs, I, I clearly hear Getty's influence, but again, on this song, I clearly hear you talk a little bit about this song for you.
6: Oh, well, thank you. Um, yeah, I think when, uh, Billy showed me this one too, and like I said, all of them really resonate, like no pun intended resonate with me really well. Um, And the times that he showed me these songs in order to record them, obviously, um, every time I got a new one to learn, it was always at the perfect time for me to really relate to them. And this one was one of those two. And it's I mean, honestly, what it's about is really how I view life, too. So it's it's a beautiful song, first of all. So singing it wasn't very difficult because I loved the song already. And I guess, I don't know, like, when when Billy writes songs and and I just put my own spin on them, like, I don't really uh, think about it too hard. I just kind of sing it like his demo version is, but I just put my own, you know, my own style on it. And I don't know, I mean, I don't really... uh, have to try to sound like anything when it's the why why not songs like I know I can be more authentic to myself and um, even when I sing like the Rush covers and stuff I'm, I'm still authentic to myself but I'm really trying to sound like Eddie to make everybody kind of feel like they're there you know but when it comes to the why why not songs for sure like I love to put my uniqueness on it and, and kind of, uh, make it my own sort of type, like type of thing, you know? So even though, um, Billy writes them, I still like sing music as if I wrote it. Um, and I think that's why the songs feel so natural for me. So that's all I can really say, but I I love the song. It's so beautiful. And that's one of my favorite ones. So.
3: Rocky touched on something there that I'd like to take another step further. Billy is Billy, the guy right there, has mm-hmm. this incredible knack to write stuff that's like we wrote it, you know, that that, that yeah. we perform like it's ours. And he explained that earlier that he does that on purpose and it's friggin' great, mm-hmm. you know. It's just so incredible. I wish that we could all be together in a studio for a month or a week, you know, and hash out all this stuff. But you know, a lot of the burden falls on Billy, you know, to keep this thing rolling, you know, with new material and stuff. And hopefully in the future we all get to do that, but it's just, dude, I love you, man. It's just incredible how he does that. And, and, and he lets us do what we want to do on it. You know, it's great. You know, somebody asked me the other day, what makes you happy? You know, with why, why not and all this stuff. I forgot how the conversation went, but a I'm back in music, you know, which I haven't been in in nearly two decades B, I found two friends that I'll never, ever, ever, you know, I, I can't believe I found these two friends. And three, we create this incredibly awesome, to me, stuff, and, and that's when I'm happy. You know, I'm happy at other points of the time, you know, other times of the day, other situations. But this is just, like, the coolest thing that has ever, besides the birth of my daughter, you know, <laughs> this. You know, Am I getting mushy? Man, I'm no. getting mushy. but yeah this is just such a cool project that turned into a band that morphed into a family you know it's just really really cool where three diametrically opposed individuals you know like kind of just like all interlock you know it's it's great and it's so rush like though
0: (laughs) right isn't it Jer? I mean, the fact that, that you three came together and you're such close friends now, and to be able to do it from a distance like that and still be as close as you clearly are, I can tell by Tim getting so emotional here.
2: Yeah. It's got to be more than blind luck, right? Yeah. 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 I need a tissue. Can someone get me a tissue?
6: I'd say also... Tito, get me a tissue. Is, like, Billy and I are both very, uh, like, empathic types of people, and I feel like he has... Um, like, a true talent for, um, like, just tapping into other people's emotions and other people's points of view. And I think, um, I feel like I have the ability to do so as well when it comes to, like, performing and writing, but, like, I can do that when he, like, after he's already done that, like, and writes the song, I kind of take it and I do the same thing, but I do it, like, for the people that I'm singing to. And, like, I think that's kind of what makes it so... Um, Easy for me to just take what he writes and just make it my own because we both kind of do that naturally, and so does Tim. Tim is very good at like just taking something and just making it him himself, you know,
5: him
3: <laughs> <laughs> himself. <laughs> you guys,
0: you're only saying that because it's true. <laughs> So, Billy, what's next for Why Why Not? I know um, because of COVID-19, your your touring schedule is on hiatus. What's next for you guys?
2: Yeah, just like everyone else. Uh, well, you know, we're trying on a minute-by-minute, day-by-day basis to stay engaged with our fans, build new fans, continue to make music any way we can, and and just keep our fingers crossed that when we can hit the stage again, because that's when we really shine as a band. And that's when we also get to have more direct interaction with those fans and and there's nothing else like it. You know, any musician will tell you that, but, but so right now we're just, uh, some of the songs from the previous records are being sort of re-released to people that never heard them out there. And, and the same time we're working on new material. I just uh, finished a song that uh, I'm going to be presenting to the band pretty soon. And I'll be hunkered down. This one's a long one. It's it, it'll be our longest song, so it's uh and it's got a lot to it. So it's gonna occupy me in in the best possible way for for a while. And then what happens usually is once I I'm in writing mode, more will probably pop up. And hopefully, if if it's safe to do these shows in October, we'll do those. And then hopefully after that, we'll figure out a way with Mike on drums and. And that we can get together, the four of us, and do a little bit more, maybe writing together, you know, and, and recording together and arranging together and and just see how, see where that goes. Because we know we can do it this way. We've done it this way. And we'll probably always at certain points do it this way. But but I think it's important and healthy that we also experiment with other ways of, of writing and making this music. I think that's going to be sort of the next level of getting even more of our own signature sound. And uh, we'll never... Uh, leave the Rush DNA behind because we take it with us everywhere we go. But, but I think it's good that we also start sort of pushing ourselves to see where else we can go stylistically while still, you know, not alienating the audience that likes what we do right now. So that's in a nutshell, I guess what we're (laughs) thinking about in the not too distant future.
0: Well, the music is fantastic and we can't thank you enough for joining us today on the Rush fan cast, Billy Alexander, Tim Starachi, Rocky Cooner. Thanks for joining us. Thank nice you.
1: Guys. Yeah, thanks a lot.
0: So Jared, how great was that?
1: Yeah, that was great.
0: Fantastic. I mean, the thing that jumped out at me was just how much these guys love each other. I know. And, and it's a long distance love. Right. It's a long distance relationship and they are madly in love with each other. It's <laughs> madly, madly, madly. No, but just the fact that they're so far away from each other, they come together, they make beautiful music together, and then they go their separate ways. Yeah, they get along so well. They get along so well. It's so Rush-like, the way they get along. It is. Which is why I think Rush fans really love them. Yeah. And we love them. Yes, we do. And we thank them for coming on. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Billy, Tim, and Rocky, thanks so much. And Jar? Yes. That went so long, Jar. I think we should wrap things up. You can find us on Twitter at RushFanCast. Instagram, we are TheRushCast. Email us. Let us know what you thought of why, why not. The RushCast at com. The bass intro is always done by our good pal lex and the quote has always done by our good pal jerry what you got
1: (laughs) well i figured i would do something different today instead of quoting a rush song i'm going to quote a why why not song oh nice you're deviating from
0: the norm (laughs) yeah
1: yes i'm deviating from the norm i should have said that you should have that would have been smart um it's a quote from their song open book nice I never want to walk around shrouded under a cloud or hiding like a guilty crook. I'm an open book.
0: Are you, though? No, (laughs) I'm not. Me neither. Tim Staracci is, though, and I can't wait to read his book. I'm more like an open magazine. (laughs) Take it easy. Bye.